0: Hey, everyone. So this week, Mac Weldon is sponsoring our show and they sent me some of their smart design premium fabric underwear. And seriously, I was amazed. Look, every pair of underwear I've ever owned has been uncomfortable. I'm always readjusting and I just had to deal with it. I never thought about going out and finding a great pair of comfortable underwear because... Frankly, I didn't know anything like this was out there. I just thought underwear was a terrible clothing item to have to wear. So do yourself a favor and try out the best pair of underwear that you've never worn. They also have socks, shirts, and the best sweatshirt I've ever worn, too. They look good, perform well, and we've got a promo code for you. All you have to do is go to MacWeldon.com to get 20% off using the promo code FANTASYPROS. That's Mack, weldon w-e-l-d-o-n.com and the promo code is fantasy Pros, all one word all right now on to some fantasy football the fantasy pros football podcast i'm your host bobby sylvester and as always i'm here with producer jp gale week six over and it was an extremely rough one for me in my rankings and also my pride but week seven is a fresh slate we're going to be joined by scott pianowski of yahoo.com today to chat about some week seven pickups and recap some of the important news items from week six hi scott thanks for coming on the show
1: my pleasure always good to talk some football with you thanks scott yeah, week, week six
0: just absolutely killed me. We had guys like Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, and all kinds of other flops. Well, players like Jay Ajayi and Case Keenum and Terrence Wentz just dominated. Uh, it was uh, it was really humbling for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some players in great matchups who didn't come through for us. It looked like Russell Wilson was in a good spot, no yeah. touchdowns. Uh, Alex Smith was, was in one of the better spots off the bye and it turned into a, a game where it rained and they didn't throw any touchdowns. Obviously, the Steelers with Roethlisberger getting hurt, they did almost nothing. And also, this is anecdotal. I haven't done any research on this, but it sure seemed this way. I can't, every week there's going to be some odd players who score touchdowns, but I can't remember as many players where you're like, he's still in the league. Like Aurelius Ben still still playing NFL. Uh, you know, he scored a touchdown. You know, the, one of the touchdowns for the Steelers was Darius wow. Hayward Beck, who, who probably looked the, the best he's looked since his compound workout with that touchdown and Davis was a factor in the Washington game. It just seemed like all over the place there were players that you never could have gotten to for fantasy. I mean, heck, the, the Chiefs farmed out a touchdown to Don Terry Poe, who's not even an offensive <laughs> yes. player. Uh, it was just one of those days where you, know, you you hope you fell into some Beckham or you hope you fell into uh, maybe you needed to play J.H.I.E. or I'm sure we'll probably talk about him today. But it was just it seemed like there's randomness in every NFL week. And so I don't want to say any week is strange in the sense that every NFL week is strange in its own way, but it just felt like maybe a little extra strangeness in week six.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. And you know, I was telling everyone Alex Smith was going to have a big week and I stand by that. I mean, he was really efficient. It just uh, didn't happen in the touchdown zone. And that's because Spencer Ware was, was so ridiculous. I mean, who would have thought he was going to get 24 carries when they're saying Jamal Charles is going to get all these carries. I mean, I certainly wasn't. Are are they going to stop giving him the ball? They can't, can they?
1: I think it's going to be a case where both backs get regularly involved in the flow of the game and the hot hand maybe or the way a game shapes up is going to have a lot to say with it. Now, in Sunday's game, a couple of things that were hard to predict, are the rain, you never really know with weather. I mean, Seattle was supposed to have this awful storm and it didn't come to pass yeah. and it didn't affect the playability of that game at all. But the weather was a factor and maybe the Chiefs were hesitant to use Charles too much on a wet field in that game, which is hard to predict, is that the Raiders' offense didn't fight back. I mean, they only scored 10 points. If you wanted Alex Smith in this game, you were probably thinking the high total, a a history of high-scoring matchups in this series. I generally don't take game that... When teams are playing and you you go to the history, I only care if that's a divisional matchup where you're playing twice a year. So this is, in the Oakland-Kansas City case, that's that's where the history might have actually meant something to me. It might have pushed me a little bit stronger on Alex Smith. But I don't think anybody would have thought that the Raiders would only score 10 points, especially when they came down and scored very early in the game and took a lead. Amari Cooper was just about uncoverable for about a half of that game. But just some things we can't anticipate ahead of time. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to necessarily go into games and have a specific hard plan that they're not going to vary from if the situation doesn't dictate it. In the case yesterday, they talked about sprinkling in Charles. It turns out what they did, but maybe on a drier field and a team that a defensive challenges, maybe they'll use Charles more. If I had to go forward, I have to rank Ware more just because he kind of has the baton. He scored too many touchdowns. He's been productive on a efficiency basis all season. The only real problem with Ware is that he's fumbled week two, week three, week four. Um, part of that I can excuse because it, it was a bad field in that Pittsburgh game, but He's played so well all season. I get to believe at minimum he's earned about
0: half of the work here. I almost wonder if they can stick him out at receiver, kind of like the Steelers are doing with Le'Veon Bell, because ware has been really effective catching the ball out of the backfield. And when you have a guy like Jamal Charles, um, you know, there's a reason. I have Jamal Charles ranked higher rest of the season than Ware. Now next week I'm going to have Ware ranked higher, obviously. But the fact that Jamal Charles, if he ends up getting 15 carries a game, could be the number one running back in football the rest of the season. I just can't see ranking him lower than Ware, who, as good as he's been, he's still kind of an unproven
1: commodity. My guess, and this is just a guess on my part, is that with Charles being 29, he's 30 at the end of December, he's got the two ACL blowouts. I think they're going to be very careful about not overworking him, and they don't have to with Ware being an established player now. They still have Tarkandrick West, but – they can do a lot of different things because both of their primary backs can catch the ball. Charles is an excellent receiver. And and there was the thing where we weren't really sure if Ware could do that, but they made it a priority to get him involved as a receiver in the preseason. Then what he does in that first week with the Chargers, it's been their whole season. They race out to a big lead. The Chiefs have to play from behind. And Ware was actually the spark plug in that game as a receiver. We weren't really positive that was in his skill set, but he's shown a lot of ability there. One of the takeaways for me for the Kansas City backfield is I've heard a lot of people say, well, Andy Reid wants to use one back. To me, Andy Reid is a coach who's going to use his talent and then form the scheme around it. He's not going to be somebody who's going to take a scheme and just try to force it into whatever talent he has on the roster. I think Andy Reid is perfectly capable and skilled. I mean, he's so great after the bye, right, 16-2. and wish they had another bye week we could point to. But I think Andy Reid is going to find a way to make both of these players viable week to. And remember in fantasy now, there's so few bell cows anymore. There's like four, five, six guys who own their backfield than a lot of teams. I mean, we see Atlanta, what they've done with two different backs. And there's so many different teams now that are using multiple players. I don't think it is a kill shot for Charles or where, so long as they don't use West all that much. And so long as this team is going to be a run first team, I think they're both going to be fancy valuable for the rest of the season.
0: Scott, let's talk about Jaya and that dolphins backfield. So Aaron Foster was active, which I assumed meant he was going to get, a full load of carries. I mean, we saw this happen several times last year. Obviously he's with a different team, but boy, was I wrong. A went for 200 dolphins just whooped the Steelers. I, I don't know if anyone saw this coming, but I feel real bad about this because I had Foster pretty high in my rankings and, uh, I don't know, is is Ajayi going to have the job now? Is he the top pick up of the week?
1: It's a tricky call. Uh, I was talking about it with Brad Evans on the Yahoo pod earlier today, and we, we didn't agree on Ajayi, and I ended up being the person defending him. And it's not a very comfortable position because Miami all offseason told you they weren't sold on Ajayi. They drafted Kenyon Drake. They brought in Arian Foster. Uh, many weeks they've had several running backs employed. I mean, for a while, Isaiah Peed was involved here. He's, he's since been cut. Damian Williams still gets involved from time to time. So they've been reluctant to make Ajayi any kind of a, of a featured part of the offense until yesterday. And it's just because he was so effective. My main takeaway here is I don't trust Foster. He's just too much tread on the tires, too much injury history too late in his career. So I I don't have a lot of faith there, but I think Ajayi is just somebody who they're going to feel obligated to start. The schedule is kind of tricky going forward. They have a couple of tough rushing matchups. I wish they could have the Chiefs schedule where they play, uh, what, New Orleans and Indianapolis. I think the next two weeks, those are two dream matchups for running backs. But Miami has a tough slate coming forward. So Ajayi, going to sound like I'm going to say something different than I said earlier on the pod, but he's somebody, I don't mind if I win Ajayi, but I'm not going to make him a priority where I feel like I need to win him. It, 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 you're going to have to seize it the taste of what your backfield looks like and how badly you need somebody. But I'm worried that. The Dolphins on sold on him. They've told us that consistently. They have a lot of options here. The schedule isn't favorable. So I'm going to be careful to make sure I don't overbid. And if I don't get him, I don't get him.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. And, you know, that means I'm probably not going to get him in my fantasy leagues because, um, you know, someone is going to go crazy. They see 200 yards and they're going to think, yeah, he won the job. But you know what? I'm fine with that. I'll save my fab uh, and use it somewhere and else. Can, can you
1: know one other thing, too, is that it's just the nature that we look at every new waiver wire and we see players and think, Oh, okay. There's, there's five or six guys I want. And that's it. I can't find anybody after that. And I, I better get these guys because after that, it's just total skank. So Players get hurt. Roles change. You know, players who, you know, we didn't think much of come into value. It's just, there's going to be, if you don't get a Jai, you might think, Oh, my running backs were sunk. There'll be somebody you want to bid on next week. It may not even be somebody we can identify right, right now. It may take two injuries. It may take a, a radical change of philosophy. We've seen a couple of offensive coordinators get fired this year. Things are constantly changing. The waiver wire refertilizes itself. Just remember that and don't feel like you need to go all in if you're not sold on a player.
0: I'm really glad you said that, Scott. That's right ride of the money. And we're going to talk about three or four or more running backs here that I think could end up being real nice fantasy players. Now, maybe not right away like Ajayi, but we'll see here in a minute. First, I want to talk about this Rams offense. So it is so odd what they're doing. Todd Gurley's terrible. And Kenny Britton, Case Keenum appear to be breaking out. I mean, Case Keenum broke the Rams record. That's Kurt Warner, Mark Boulder, all these guys for most consecutive completed passes. It's just nuts what's going on there. Is this Gurley slump real? Or is he actually going to bounce out of it?
1: Well, he got a little bad luck yesterday where it looked like he had a touchdown. But then they had blown the play dead because they were reviewing the previous play. My main takeaway in this offense is I believe in Britt. This is a guy who came into the league at 21, was a little bit immature, had some off-the-field problems, bounced around a little bit. But he's always had the ability. And you look right now, he's a very high catch rate and a very high yards per catch. Usually it's one or the other. Either you're getting a bunch of short passes, so you're catching a high percentage of them, or you're making a lot of long catches, but it's more of a hit or miss play. You're more of a, like a Deshaun Jackson type player. Kenny Britt's actually getting downfield and clicking with Case Keenum for whatever reason. And he's got a very high market share in this offense. When a team doesn't throw the ball as much, you need somebody to dominate the ball in that offense. That's what Britt's doing. His yardage totals have been very consistent. He hadn't scored until week six, but he gets the two touchdowns. I think he's a very bankable high-end receiver three, or maybe even in deeper leagues, a lower receiver two. But somebody, maybe the player we thought, I know they're they're different styles of players, but maybe we, we thought Tavon Austin could be carried in this offense, could be a factor maybe Kenny Britt in a little bit of a different style because he works more downfield maybe he's the bankable receiver that we thought the Rams had with Tavon Austin
0: you know he's on pace for 80 receptions 1300 yards obviously I think that's going to regress a little bit but you know even if it doesn't uh, I mean even if it does quite a bit he's still probably wide receiver three or a pretty consistent flex start so yeah, if Kenny Britt's available in your league he's one of the
1: guys that uh, that I'm real interested in grabbing this week. or until told this week, but he's been giving you consistent yardage. It's one thing if a guy does nothing for four or five weeks, and yeah. then he, like Jai, right? He, he was off the radar, and then he had a monster game. So it's kind of hard to know what it, what it means. Britt has clearly stamped himself as a viable, important part of this offense and has played well just about every week. And it's like, if you think of it in DFS terms, seasonal fantasy is like a cash game. where We want consistency. We want projectable floors. We want a guy who we know has a role week to week. We can say those things about Kenny Britt.
0: Now, one of those guys that we can't necessarily say that about is Ty Montgomery, who just came out of nowhere this week with 10 receptions. He was even running the ball out of the backfield behind Uh Eddie Lacey. Is he a legitimate fantasy ad like Cameron Meredith clearly was last week, or is he bound to come back to earth?
1: I I don't like him nearly as much as I do Meredith. I want to make that clear. Of course, Meredith done it two weeks now, so it's easier to say that. But, man, I think he's totally legit. I would pay the sticker on Meredith in a trade. You obviously can't pick him up anymore in any kind of competitive league. But here's the thing with the Packers. They need to build trust in this offense. They need to build rapport in this offense. We saw they couldn't do it last year with Devonte Adams. He's been a little bit better this year, but but still not somebody we can trust week to week. It sounds like they have reasons to not want to play Jeff Janis. He had a couple of catches late in this game, but even though he's occasionally flashed in the preseason, he had that really big game with the Hail Marys and the playoffs. They just don't want to get him on the field. The tight ends have been disappointing. I think Jordy Nelson, even with the five touchdowns, has been a little bit of a disappointment. His catch rate and yards per catch are way down. Montgomery catches 10 of 12 targets. I know it only went for 98 yards. They've used him in the backfield, I think, for three straight weeks. The only buzzkill there is he did lose a late fumble. So I don't know how much that's going to affect his status in this offense. But Green Bay on a short week, they have Chicago this week. They can't really throw a bunch of new things in this offense. The fact that Montgomery caught 10 or 12 passes and was on the field that much and has built enough rapport with Aaron Rodgers, I feel like that's going to translate to production in week seven. I think he's going to catch at least six passes this week and in any type of PPR format. Again, you'd like to see him get more than 9.8 yards per catch, but I think he's going to be a factor in week seven. and I think he's somebody that if you play in PPR scoring, you need to take seriously as a free agent bid.
0: And we talked about Cameron Meredith. Obviously, you can't pick him up. I guess you can in 40% of leagues, which is just crazy to me. I I don't play in any kind of leagues like that. But he had 11 receptions again. If the draft were today, where would you draft Cameron Meredith?
1: A low-end receiver. Kind of what we talked about with Britt, but I like him a little bit more. So I guess he creeps into a solid wide receiver, too. In part, remember, Brian Hoyer, 300 yards passing in four straight games funny how the Bears fell into their best offense with all the guys getting hurt where it got them away from Cutler and into Hoyer got them away from uh, their backfield situation where Jordan Howard's really their their better player and he probably should have been starting all along and Meredith was the guy who wasn't drafted in any league that I was in and was completely off the radar and you look at him six foot three 215 pounds or so he looks the part he's a good route runner he's physical he's making a lot of yards after the catch he was athletic enough to be a quarterback in college for two years. So he's still learning the position, but he, he sure looks polished. I watched every snap of his week five tape against Indianapolis. And I know we didn't see Bronte Davis a lot in that game, but I thought he looked terrific. And Hoyer is not, even though Alshon Jeffrey has been productive every week, he's not scoring touchdowns, but his yardage has been fine. He's, you know, we saw in the old offense, Cutler would force the ball to Marshall, would force the ball to Jeffrey. And Hoyer's just taken with what's available. And if that's Zach Miller, fine. If that's Cameron Meredith, fine. If that's Eddie Royal, fine. And Jeffrey was a perfectly fine player yesterday, productive player. But I think Meredith is going to be somebody we start, we kind of set and forget the rest of the season. I also think the Bears are going to have trouble stopping good offenses. They did throw up a bagel for three quarters yesterday against Jacksonville because that's you know, Blake Bortles. What would it take for him to actually play a good first half of football? I guess that's out of the question. But <laughs> I think the Bears are going to have a lot of high-scoring games. We've seen that the yardage and the volume has been there for Hoyer for four straight games. I mean, he didn't have a great yards per attempt yesterday, but he threw 49 passes. Karen Meredith, to me, I, I wish he was on all of my teams. He's on some of my teams. He's somebody I would trade resources to get. I think he's going to be, say, a receiver 24, receiver 25 the rest of the way. Somebody we're comfortable playing every week.
0: I remember when Alan Robinson and T.Y. Hilton and guys like this uh, came out of the woodwork and, you know, no one really knew who they were. We didn't know how high their ceiling was. And now they're legitimate wide receiver ones. Is this merit a ceiling? Can he become a player like that eventually for Dynasty 4 Mets?
1: I don't want to compare him to Robinson because he was a second-round pick, and I think he may have been a first-round pick if he didn't play with such bad quarterbacks at Penn State. So Robinson was a guy I always liked. I mean, I, I, he comps physically to Des Bryant, and I think even though he's gotten off to a slow start, he, he's only got above a 50% catch rate, and Bortles has been awful. I still believe in Robinson. And you know, Hilton's a guy, man. I know he didn't do that much Sunday night, but it seems like he just runs by people every week. So I, I think that's a little bit maybe too lofty where I'm willing to go on Meredith, but I think the Bears have a player here. I think he's going to be their second best receiver for a long time. And, and if Jeffrey were to go down, I think he'd be, and look, look at the targets too. I mean, double digit targets, two straight weeks. We know how important opportunity is and it's not just opportunity, but he's been very efficient with those targets and earning the trust of Hoyer in this offense. So all I want to say, I, I can't say you compare them to two players who I think are like borderline all pros. I can't go that far as Meredith, <laughs> yeah. but I do think, I don't think he's a flash in the pan. I think he's going to be fantasy viable the rest of October, the rest of November, the rest of December. I think he's going to be somebody who, and maybe to the point that we come back at the end of the year and we look at like the eight or 10 waiver wire pickups or free agent pickups who really swung seasons. I think Cameron Meredith has an excellent chance to be on that list.
0: Okay, so this Baltimore backfield is just driving me nuts. I, I've been tooting Kenneth Dixon's horn for so long, and Terrace West just keeps looking like a legitimate fantasy running back, but uh, I don't know. is he going lose his is he going to lose his chance now, Dixon? Uh, or are they going to split carries, or just West just, um, you know run away with his job now?
1: Well, at least a couple of things have happened where they've, they've kind of trimmed the fat a little bit where they cut four set. they don't want to play Javoris Allen. Even though he was a productive pass catcher last year. And we have to take, I think, the first game with Mortenweg as the new offensive coordinator. I think we have to take a statement from that. And West got 23 carries and two touchdowns. So even though the yards per carry are under four and he hasn't been the most efficient back, again, having the baton is such a huge part of backfield play and of trying to figure this stuff out for fantasy. I have to figure that unless West really falls all over himself, I think he's going to be the guy for an extended period of time. God, it makes me sad. I want to see Kenneth Dixon out there, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And, and, you know, maybe the one thing that could swing things is what encourages offenses to change is when they have losing streaks. And this team, they somehow got off to a 3-0 start, although they, they probably should have lost to Cleveland. They probably should have lost to Jacksonville. And since then, they've lost all their close games. It, it's interesting how they all, all six of their games really have been in the balance this year. But they've lost three games in a row. They felt obligated to change the coordinator. And maybe West struggles in Week 7 against the Jets. I mean, we know what the Jets' defense is. They stop the run. They, they get thrown all over. The secondary is just abysmal right now, and I expect the Cardinals will exploit that tonight. But maybe West has a poor game against this Jets front, and they're forced to look at Dixon. Then they get the bye week. So if maybe the we Ravens could lose this game or struggle on the ground, then you get a week to think about it. Maybe Morning leg then would feel more comfortable seeing what Dixon could bring to the table. So, if you are a Dixon guy, I think you need to wait out week seven against the Jets, bad matchup, and then week eight with a bye. Maybe that could be the impetus for some change. This
0: weekend, I was so excited about the Packers Cowboys game, maybe more than any other game this year, because I wanted to see who Ezekiel Elliott was. He was going up against uh, the defense that was on pace for the best run defense in NFL history. Obviously, that's not going to keep up with the Packers, but he shredded them 157 yards. Is he the best fantasy player for the rest of the season?
1: He's in that conversation. It's interesting. Before the season, if we had talked and you'd said, you know, what's the top of my board? I would have said, you know, you take Antonio Brown first. You take Odell Beckham second. You take Julio Jones third. It's funny how I'd be willing to take running backs now. I'd I'd be willing to take a David Johnson or a Le'Veon Bell, you know, hoping that, that Ben comes back after the bye or to take an Ezekiel Elliott, these guys who are very high efficient players. And The volume is there. The offensive line is just blowing holes open. Yeah, The thing with the Packers defense is their yards per carry as low as it was and 2.0 is terrific. and That's what it was before yesterday. was also built on some really cream puff matchups. They weren't playing against teams that had good running backs. I still think they have a decent run defense, but Dallas is just going to make a lot of people look bad. Remember, too, they have a quarterback now in Dak Prescott who can bring some mobility and a little bit of read option and just a more multiple offense, maybe. And I, I'd be really shocked if they went back to Roma. I think with this 5-1 start, they're obviously not playing in Week 7. I think Prescott has to be the guy. And I think Dallas is just looking for a way to spin it PR-wise because they know they can't make a change now. But Elliott, you could take him as high as one. You could take him two. You could take him three. I would take him over any receiver right now. And it would just be a season to taste if you liked, if you happen to like Belmore, happen to like Johnson more. I think those are the big three. Kind of like how the receivers were a big three before the season. I think those three in any order would make sense in a redraft right now.
0: You know, I also love McCoy. He's been amazing. Lamar Miller. uh, He's been getting a ton of carries. I wasn't expecting that. And the Demarco Murray. I mean, any of those guys. I I might take above uh, Odell Beckham at number. You know, as the number three wide receiver. I also loved AJ Green in the preseason. Those were my top four players. Were those four wide receivers? And
1: um, now I'd probably take six running backs in the first round. It's crazy. I apologize to McCoy. He should be in that group. I I think Murray, although I'd have no problem with him in the middle of the first round, I think he's a little bit behind the rest of those guys just because I don't trust that offense. I don't trust Mike Mullarkey. I know Murray's been great and he can catch the ball too. And then Henry's really been no factor there. But um, I do believe that McCoy, Buffalo, they do one thing well. I mean, I don't really trust any of their receivers. And, you know, Charles Clay, if you need five catches for... 52 yards and no touchdown. Charles Clay can do that every week. But <laughs> Tyrod Taylor to throw the ball a lot. We know he can run. We know they want to play good defense. They're going to get Darius back. I mean, as long as McCoy's healthy, and of course, that, that's, the, that's what you're, you're risking when you take any running back early because it's such a high injury position. They touch the ball. They get tackled by so many guys. And, and so you have to play that game with the durability. And by the way, anybody who owns McCoy, I think Mike Gillisley. Gillisley I'm not a big handcuff guy. But I think if you're riding with McCoy, I think Gillisley has to be on your roster 6-for-60 yesterday in a touchdown. I know it came in garbage time. Uh, And not much wiggle to Gillisley, but all this guy does is make big plays. If I'm McCoy owner in any league, and then even if you're just in the league where you need a high upside backup, somebody you're not going to play, but you're looking for a plausible upside, I think Gillisley is a guy should be on a lot of rosters.
0: So let's talk about Ladarius Green. You mentioned him. When he comes back, is he fantasy relevant? Like there's, there's three guys at tight end that I like picking up this with Jack Doyle, Vernon Davis and Ladarius green. Which of these guys do you like the most?
1: Yeah, I, I would go Doyle first with Allen dinged up with man. I was wrong about, about the uh, Indianapolis receivers. I, I thought Dorsett was going to, I know he's kind of a, a Hilton clone and, and it's an odd fit for that offense, but I thought once Moncrief got hurt, I thought Dorsett just by attrition would have to get more touches and involvement and, He's been ineffective when on the field, and now he's, he's dinged up again. We know Andrew Luck, close to the goal line, likes those those big targets. He likes to throw inside the numbers. Doyle, there's nothing necessarily special about his game, but he has a rapport with Luck. Uh, Davis, I, I just wonder that you know they have other options there. We'll see if they get Reid back. We know they have a Lions game on the schedule, which is always great for tight end production. But I, I think Doyle, now that Allen is dinged up, and now that the Colts' receivers are playing so poorly other than Hilton. I think he's going to be a factor going forward. Somebody even, I'm in a couple of leagues where you can flex tight ends or you use two tight ends, but even past that, I'm going to have him ranked in the top 12 this week.
0: Speaking of tight ends, I watched this uh, this Patriots-Bengals game And Rob Gronkowski is absolutely unstoppable. That game was so fun to watch because the Bengals are just the nastiest, dirtiest team in the NFL. And I have nothing against the Bengals for whatever reason. Um, But when I watch them play, I always find myself rooting against them. Even if it's the Patriots and Gronk, it was awesome seeing him just tear them up and, and talk trash
1: after they were being so dirty. Yeah, another team. You know, the Patriots have, have set up their offense to what Tom Brady does well at this part of his career. He's not a great deep thrower. He's not a great outside thrower. So what do they do? They have the best tight end probably in NFL history in Gronkowski. They bring in Martellus Bennett, and they're all sorts of creative with these guys. And they're just matchup nightmares. You know, I mean, how do you cover Gronk? I don't know that there's any right way to cover him. And if you want to devote all your resources to draping Gronk, there's going to be guys who are open, especially Bennett. The big loser in this offense, I, I think, is Julian Edelman, who's yeah. done just about nothing all season, and even when Brady's come back, and Edelman will eventually will, will fit back into the scheme of things, but he's never been a big touchdown guy. He's only played one full season out of seven, and, and eventually, I, I don't know that we'll get Deion Lewis anytime soon, but maybe he'll play in December. We saw White was a factor out of the backfield yesterday. A lot of mouths to feed in this offense, but it starts with the two tight ends. I mean, Gronkowski, of course, the number one tight end in fantasy, and I think Bennett is going to be startable most weeks, although he did have a great game yesterday. He caught all five of his targets. But again, they're trying to set up an offense that fits to what the quarterback does well. He likes to throw between the numbers. He likes to throw the big targets. And you can't get two better big targets than Gronkowski and then Martellus Bennett.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know, James White looked really good yesterday. He did have the two touchdowns, but I don't think he's half the player Deion Lewis is. And he should be back sometime soon. He's only owned in 23% of leagues. When he comes back, do you think he steals a bunch of carries from, like, from Blount? Or uh, is he just going to be a factor in the receiving game and kind of be minimized by all those other options?
1: The whispers I've heard from New England from, from a couple of sources is that uh, Lewis's rehab has not been at an accelerated pace, and they don't expect him back anytime soon. I, I would be surprised if Deion Lewis did anything fantasy relevant before December.
0: That's a bummer. That's a real bummer. Uh, I was uh, kind of banking on him in one of my big leagues.
1: I'd love to see it. I mean, I, I grew up in New England. I, I consider myself more of a fan of the league right now than a fan of any specific team. But you know, if I had to pick a team to, to win the Super Bowl, I'd pick the Patriots. Um, but again, you know, I mean, I just what I do for a living. I mean, I I just try to be agnostic about everything. I mean, obviously, Lewis was terrific when on the field in the Patriots. I mean, they re-signed him, or I should say, extended him early last season. You almost never see that. That's how impressed they were with him. Mm-hmm. A major injury. They have so many different guys they can use. White is not the same player that Lewis is when they're both hundred percent. But I just don't think Lewis is going to be a hundred percent. May it may not even be this season. That that's the stuff I'm hearing, and maybe I'll be totally wrong on that. We know the Patriots. You know they they'd sooner give out their their ATM pin than, than they would any injury information. But uh, Lewis is somebody I'm not as high on, just because I tr- I tend just generally my mindset with injuries anyway, when it's a major injury, when it's an extended period, they've been missing. I just try to be careful when they come back.
0: No, another running back that a lot of people have been writing me about is Devontae Booker. I mean, CJ Anderson had another rough stat line and Booker looked really good again. Is it only a matter of time before he takes over in Denver? I personally think CJ Anderson looked really good. He had a a couple big carries called back. He's got a great schedule coming up. Um, I'm buying low
1: on CJ Anderson right now. You make a great point. That's why it's important to watch the games is Anderson had two terrific plays taken out by penalty, including a catch and run, which was just as good as that catch and run we saw last night with Lamar Miller. I mean, just a terrific touchdown and you hate to see it wiped out in that Thursday game. But what makes me nervous is Booker's look good every week and he's getting his snap share has been going up. His share of the offense has been going up week in, week out. And I think Not only is there a chance, Booker needs to be owned because not only is there a chance he'd take over if Anderson got hurt, but I think there's a chance he could beat out Anderson. So to me, it's like a 60-40. I think they may even go hot hand with it. Anderson, of course, looks so great in that opening win over Carolina, but he's had trouble getting anything since then, although he did lose the two big plays in Thursday game against San Diego. But to me, I'm more on the Booker side of this. I, I think Booker certainly needs to be owned. I'd be looking more to acquire Booker or more to maybe get off cj anderson they am the other way around i, mean, I see, totally see your point and obviously we want gary kubiak running backs and at least it's not a third running back who's hoarding in on the work here because again you know the nfl's changed so much we don't have as many bell cows it's not even the worst thing in the world if two guys get used as long as they don't you know they don't use the tight end a lot here they're not giving the fullback touchdowns of, i guess that happened in week one but you know, at least they're not it's not one of those box scores like the saints where you'll know, the the saints want the ball girl to score a touchdown you know they, they want the <laughs> PR director to get red zone touches I and mean, the Broncos don't operate like that but I find myself more on the Booker side of things
0: I really like him as a backup running back and the people who listen to this show they know I love owning several backup running backs instead of a backup quarterback or tight end uh, just because injuries are bound uh, to happen to running backs you know CJ Anderson probably has a 35 40 percent chance of getting hurt even though he seems like a pretty durable guy so with that being said would you rather own Devontae Booker is a backup or D'Angelo Williams or maybe a guy like um, uh, the name slip in my mind. So one of those two, who would you prefer?
1: Part of it's going to be need based because I think Booker might actually be playable in some deeper leagues as you're waiting for him to pop. Where Williams, I think it has no fantasy value unless Bell gets hurt. And, and that's the big thing with how playable are some of these backups? I mean, I thought before the season that maybe Charles Sims would be a playable option even before you, you hope something happens to doug martin I may mean, i hate the root for injuries but it's realistic it's the nfl it's just going to happen it turns out sims wasn't that player and then when martin got hurt he wasn't even that good and he got hurt himself you look at tonight with the jets you know is is uh powell how much is he going to be used he's kind of taken over the receiving role from forte on the jets offense this is a bad jets team maybe they will be playing from behind so is powell a flag? you know a, a kind of a upside flex play as you're seeing if maybe something happens to Forte down the line. When we compare Williams, when we compare Booker, if I needed a player to to have some playable value in the meantime, I'd have to side with Booker. But if you're just thinking who has a better chance of being a difference maker, of being a top five running back, if the starter got hurt, there I have to side with Williams. I think Williams' upside is higher. I think Booker has a better chance, a better, so the floor play, I guess, would be Booker. If you all you care about is the upside, all you're trying to do is hit a home run, you're thinking maybe week 11, week 12, week 13, I'm, this guy's going to win me into the playoffs or win me a playoff game later in the season. There, it's when I'd focus on Williams.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking David Johnson's scenario where he took over last year and ended up being a running back one. I mean, obviously he won a lot of people their fantasy championship. And I think Powell can be a guy like that. He's got 6.4 yards per carry. When he's getting the ball, there's really been no one better in the NFL.
1: No one. Right, and you know they've kind of backed off from the heavy workload that Forte was seeing earlier in the season. And even though Forte had the three touchdowns against Buffalo, he's not a great short yardage runner. And Powell, it's funny because he kind of has the same skills that Forte has, but Forte's also a running back over 30. They're using him less in the passing game. Yeah, Powell's a guy who I'd be looking to acquire right now or I'd want to have stashed even if you don't need to play him right away. I think it's an excellent chance he'll be somebody who's fantasy relevant in the second half of the season.
0: And we know DeMarco Murray's had just a ton of carries in his career, uh, and he's getting a lot this year. So if he does go down and on some knick-knack injury, what kind of running back does Derrick Henry look like to you?
1: Well, I think he'd certainly be featured, and he'd be featured on a team that wants to run the ball. He'd be featured on a team with a mobile quarterback. He'd be featured on a team. I mean, there aren't many teams that make the running game the priority. I mean, most teams, you know, it's, it's more about the passing. It's more about the quarterback. The Titans don't play that way. The Titans play 25-year-old football, and it's worked out great for Murray. We also saw how poorly he fit Philadelphia's offense. I believe Murray's 2015 season, just that awful season on not fitting into the offense in Philadelphia. And a lot of it on Chip Kelly, a lot of it on the Eagles in a regime that's not even there anymore. But I think the bottom line with Henry is that if Murray were to get hurt, I think we could project 15 to 20 touches, if not more, going forward. And there just aren't that many guys we can say that about. We saw him flash in the preseason. He hasn't done much since, but it's hard to get in the flow when you're not getting a lot of touches. And why would they take the ball away from Murray? Murray's been so dominant anyway. So, again, it's a guy where you can't play Henry now. And I think you can't even hold Henry's tape right now against him. I think he's a very high upside if Murray were to get hurt.
0: Now, to quiz Rogers, 30 carries in Week 5. Now, he was on the bye
1: last week. What happens in Week 7? He needs Martin to be off the field. It, it's, I don't think Rogers is going to have any value if Martin doesn't play, but Martin, Martin's been hurt. Martin's got a history of, of being hurt. and This is also a team, you know, this is the NFC South. I think it's going to be a really fun division because nobody can play defense. Specifically, nobody can play pass defense. We, we know what Saints games are generally like at home, but every team has a below average pass defense here. So I think we're going to see a lot of long games, a lot of extended games, a lot of games with high snap counts. And what you like about Rodgers is he can play uh, in different situations. He can play coming from behind. He can catch the ball. And I guess, I never thought of him as a high-touch guy, but they certainly treated him that way in week five. So I think he needs to be owned because we have to take a wait-and-see approach on Martin. Sims is on IR, so he's out of the picture. So they may have to come back to Rodgers. I don't think they really wanted to use him anywhere near as much as they did in that Monday night game, but just there was nobody left, nobody left standing in that backfield. Until we know Martin is okay, I, I need to have Rodgers as a lottery ticket. Yeah,
0: yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, now the final backfield I want to talk about is this Lions mess. Uh, they signed Justin wow. Forsett. Zach Ender actually looked pretty good. Washington's going to come back soon. What are you doing with this backfield? Just staying away from it?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to. It's, it's one of the worst run blocking units in the league. I, I go to Football Outsiders for their adjusted line yards. I think Detroit is 29th currently in that stat, and they're going to get Washington back, which you know he does what Ender does. They're going to get Theo Riddick back. Now we know he's more of a satellite player and he's not much of a runner, but he is a running back. I mean, he is in the mix and I just think this is a team that when they get in close, is going to try to throw for their touchdowns. We saw yesterday. That's what they ended up doing. Stafford gets the four touchdowns and they have some big targets. I mean, you know, Bolden is still a physical player who could score in space and eventually they'll get Ebron back. And I guess they've gotten golden Tate finally effective again. Although, you know, it was a long wait because those first five weeks, man, they felt like he wasn't even on the field, but, I think it's going to be a team that's going to want to throw the ball, a team that knows it can't run block a team that knows it has no special runners, no special make people miss guys in that backfield. I know Zach Zander has been really interesting as a preseason player and he's kind of been a deep sleeper. Somebody you might have taken late in an MFL or just you know, late in the dynasty league, just a wait and see player. And, and so you saw a little bit of production in week six, but I just don't trust the offensive line. There's a lot of bodies here. I think they want to throw the ball primarily. So to me that that's going to, you know, people have asked me, should I bid on Zenner this week? I'm not going to throw any money at
0: him. It looks like Tyler Boyd has surpassed Brandon Lafell uh, for the Bengals number two job, which means he gets the lineup opposite of AJ Green. Uh, he's a talented young rookie. Are you considering him as a waiver ad?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the question there, and I talked about fading long-term injuries, is do they ever get Eifert back? And, and you know, it's been a slow wait and see with him, and he still hasn't played. I mean, if Eifert comes back, I don't want any of their receivers other than Green. But Pfeiffer's off the field. I mean, LaFell scored two straight weeks, albeit he only had two catches yesterday. Boy, a physical receiver, a possession receiver, somebody you would think would have a role in this offense. Man, they look ugly right now. I mean, Jeremy Hill's just been a spare tire the whole season. And Bernard, just an ordinary player. I mean, I thought he was maybe a special player when he came into the NFL. He hasn't looked like it yesterday or this season. And they even tried him as a goal line back if Oxborough didn't work at all. But they need a second option they can rely on. Maybe it could be Boyd. I, I do think Andy Dalton has been underrated most of his career. We know how great Green is, but you need more than one option in this game, and teams are just going to dare you to throw it to somebody else. If I had to have one guy, Boyd or LaFell, and this is more of a strike against LaFell than I than applauded a towards Boyd, but I, I guess the upside of the unknown, maybe Boyd is ready to do more in the second half of his rookie year. I would side there but I can't say I'm really high on anybody right now in this Bengals offense after green.
0: Andy Dalton. I remember this time last year, we were talking about him as the MVP in the NFL. I mean, we didn't think it was going to happen, but he was at this point last year. And this year, that's Matt Ryan. Uh, Again, he surprised us against the Seattle defense and I was really low on him. Do you think he can actually keep it up or is it going to be more like Andy Dalton last year?
1: I think he's definitely going to keep it up. And we, we thought a couple of weeks ago, he got up to a great start, but it's like, well, he's going to Denver. He's going to Seattle. You we'll see what he does there. And he was okay at, at Denver and that's the toughest matchup in football right now. And then he goes to Seattle and was terrific. And again, I talked about that division. There are no good pass defenses in the NFC South. And I include the Falcons in that mix. So just there's going to be so many high scoring games. And they have a couple of a running back. One of the best friends a quarterback can have for his fantasy value is pass catching running back. And they have two of them in Atlanta. Obviously Julio's terrific. You'd like to see a little bit more out of Sanu, although he did score a touchdown in week six. But I think the Falcons are going to need to win games 30 to 27 and Matt Ryan is a very, look, I was wrong on this. I'm sure wherever I ranked in preseason, it wasn't anywhere near high enough. And I tried to keep both feet on the ground for the first four weeks when he was playing terrific. And I wanted to see him prove something in the next two games. Well, he's proven it to me. I thought actually Atlanta was the better team at Seattle. They should have won yesterday. We all saw the the pass interference that Seattle got away with at the end of the game. It feels like Seattle stole that game, but, I believe in this Falcons offense. I believe in Matt Ryan. And I certainly believe the NFC South. They just can't play defense. They can't play pass defense. I'm going to want to attack those, those games, whether it's Tampa Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans. I mean, the Carolina secondary is so awful right now. I think anytime you can get involved in those teams, in those games, you're going to see a lot of points. And you're going to see a lot of passing.
0: As bad as this Falcons defense is, and look, I, I know they have some, some solid young players, but it's a bad defense. I think their offense is so good that they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders.
1: I agree. I agree. You know, last year, remember they got off to that hot start and they totally fell on their face. But I believe in this Falcons team. I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm ready to kick the football. I'm, you know, Lucy's holding it, and I'm going to kick it. But it also, it speaks to who else can you trust in this division? I mean, Carolina's dead at this point. I, I don't know how they come back from this one and five start. And you know, Tampa Bay still got a lot of holes. And you know, the Saints. I mean, I, I don't know how you can feel good about that team. Their offense plays well at home, but they, they really don't. They don't travel well they can't stop anybody on defense. I mean, I think the Falcons are going to cruise to 11 or 12 wins, probably have the first round bye, and will be one of the final teams. I mean, the, may, that game with Seattle may be a NFC championship preview. We may see those two teams again in January.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Now, finally, I want to talk about Marcus Mariota uh, back-to-back weeks as a top five quarterback. I know he had great matchups, but do you think there's, could this be a breakout? Is he
1: maybe a QB one now? Yeah, I'd love I'd love to say positive things about Mariota because I love him. And when he came out two years ago with Winston, I always thought Mariota was the better player. I would have drafted him. I thought Tampa Bay should have taken him. But again, we talked about it earlier when we were talking about Murray and Henry. This is a team that wants to run the ball. They're exotic smash ball. They they have such a heavy run-pass ratio. And some of the stuff he got yesterday was fluky. I mean, I, I don't know how... Kendall Wright got as wide open as he did. It's funny how Wright had such a big game. I think he only ran 14 pass routes or something like that. I mean, he wasn't even really involved that much, but he was open all day. The Browns were kind of escorting him down the field, but I just feel like the Titans, the defense is actually not that bad. It's another weak division where maybe nine wins might might get you the division title here. I think Tennessee is going to want to rely on a reasonable defense on a very good running game. And Mariota just won't get the volume. He's going to need to get very lucky with the touchdown efficiency because he's never going to get the volume that some of these other quarterbacks get. So I like him a lot better in real life than I do for fantasy. I almost forgot to talk about uh, one of the most important questions of the week, is
0: everyone's, not everyone, but a lot of people are picking up a streaming defense. I think it's real ugly this week. I only see one defense I like. Who do you like to pick up as a streamer?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing we do, well, at least the first thing I do when I look, when I look at streaming defenses is I want a team at home. And then I want a team against an offense that I don't trust. So maybe somebody dropped the Bengals defense. They should probably be held in a lot of leagues, but they got destroyed against the Cowboys and then they didn't play well yesterday. So I would first look to see if the Bengals were available. That may not be an option to people. For the Titans at home, Andrew Luck, they can't seem to protect him. He's taking a lot of sacks. I think there's actually some value there. I don't really want to trust the Packers. I, short week uh, th- that makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Titans or the the Bengals are the high end. If if you get lucky, somebody dropped them.
0: It seems like every single week I'm picking on the Rams. And if if you're a Rams fan, I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm biased against the Rams because I'm a St. Louis guy, but I just don't see Case Keenum repeating what he did um if people are stacking the box against todd Gurley, and the rams just turn the ball over a lot giants defense has been a lot better than people expected this year so that's the team i'm picking up they're only 15 percent owned and i'm not spending crazy fab on them or anything like that not even three or four bucks but uh that's the team i'm going for
1: i believe that the london game which uh, we're going to have one of those long sundays where we we have to get up early and then we stay up late but um at least the seahawks and cardinals of a late game but um if there ever was a game I would sleep through, it would be a game that involved the Rams. I and mean, what are we doing to London? We send Jacksonville there. We, we send the Rams there. Are we just trying to convince them to, to never watch the NFL product and just keep watching the, the EPL? and you know, <laughs> over there? I almost mean, I, I think honestly, we're just trying to flip off London. We're just trying to start another war with those guys.
0: We've, we've got a ton of listeners from the U.K. Football is really exploding over there. I can't believe how many people listen to the show from the U.K.
1: That's awesome. Uh, you know, it shows um, it it also shows I'm sure how popular fantasy is, how popular DFS is, how, how popular gambling is, which is legal, I believe, uh, in, in in England. So that's probably part of it too. But um, you know, the NFL, I guess they know what they're doing. With I just once, I want to see the Steelers and Patriots in London. You know, why? Yeah, why is it always, that would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, just a game I can be excited about, like the Seahawks Cardinals game. Wouldn't it be cool if that was the London game?
0: That would be fantastic i I would wake up and watch that as, as far as it's been gone, I haven't seen any of the London games as far as London uh you know started having some football played there just because it's never been exciting, like you said. I know the Rams and, and Jaguars had a contract there where they each had to play so many games, and I'm sure that factored into uh the Rams going to Los Angeles, but man, that is not
1: nice to London. Well, maybe who knows? Maybe Beckham will have another big game and, and uh, he'll he'll bring his kicking net to London, and uh, <laughs> so we'll have something with that. Or maybe, or who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe Ben McAdoo will install like a corner kick play. You know, where they uh, they they get Beckham on the flank and uh, you know he throws it in the box. I don't know. That
0: would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think they can mess around against the Rams because I think the Giants are just going to shred them next
1: week. But Kenny Britt, man, I'm telling you, pick up Kenny Britt. Kenny Kenny Britt will make it worth it for the people on the West Coast who have to get up at, at six in the in the morning to watch this game. You're not watching. You're not watching it for Todd Gurley. You're not watching it for Eli Manning. You're watching it for Kenny Britt. <laughs>
0: All right, Scott, well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, As always, it was a joy having you on, and uh, good luck this week. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. For those of you listening, if you like what you heard, please jump over to iTunes, rate and review us, uh, subscribe. It really helps us out. We're still a very new podcast, and uh, that helps us get exposure. So uh, if you can just take 20, 30 seconds to do that, I'd really appreciate it. Now, we've got two more shows coming on this week. We've got Justin Boone coming on Wednesday night to talk about Uh, his rankings for week seven and then justin McMahon's coming on from daily fantasy insider to talk about dfs so make sure to tune into those episodes and that's all we have for today thanks for listening and enjoy your football
1: i just wanted you to watch me dissolve